Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Forum. For more information, please visit ohioministry.net. My name is Michelle Mizell. I just got married in August, Thompson, so I'm not going to hyphenate, but um, just in case you know me by Michelle Mizell. Um, I have been in ministry since 1999, um, which means really nothing. I'm still learning, so young, still in ministry. Um, The Lord has allowed me a lot of experiences. I did ministry training in Illinois at a large church, was there on staff for about eight years, and then went out to California, another large church, um, and directed a master's commission. I don't know if you guys have heard of those through the years, but those are discipleship training programs where you work with college-age students training them in ministry to go and to be ministers, whether children's pastors, youth pastors, lead pastors, you know, Chi Alpha ministers, at at whatever level. And that really was where my heart began to really pull, is is in the training and the developing of leaders. And, of course, you know, I'm not the guru in that. I'm just beginning the stage. But God began to develop in me a heart for people and, and equipping them and training them and teaching them and really help unlocking individuals um, to be what God has called them to be. And so that's kind of where my journey landed. Um, Long story short, from California, which was a dream job. It's so funny how the Lord will put you in situations sometimes where you have a great job, great pay, great atmosphere, great church, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get this desire to go, there's got to be more. And um, there's a book called um, The Dream Giver. Have any of you read The Dream Giver? Well, write it down if you have not. It's by Bruce Wilkinson. It's a phenomenal little short read, and it's super encouraging, but it talks about this nobody that knows he's called to be somebody. And he goes on this big journey um, to pursue his dream because the dream giver had given it to him. And in that book, I, I was in a point of just going, all right, Lord, here I am at this great place. You know, why am I not fulfilled, right? And after much prayer um, and, and reading that book, there's a little phrase in there that says, you can keep your comfort or you can keep your dream. And it was at that moment I knew I had to transition and I knew I needed to go somewhere different. And so that led me on the path of figuring out where, what and when. And long story, that led me to Ohio, to a little tiny church in Elyria, which going from, you know, when you're at a, a mega church of 2,500 and then 5,000, and then you go to a church, you know, of 200, culture shock. And when I showed up to there eight years ago, I was um, hired in as, like, associate and then moved to children's ministry. That's not at all where I thought. You know, I'm like, no, Lord, I'm called to develop leaders and train people for ministry. And the Lord had me where he wanted me. And so throughout the children's ministry, that's what I currently do. I'm a children's pastor. That's my current, like, focus. But throughout that, I have been able to develop in that multiple levels of training, multiple levels of team leadership from parents to students, obviously interns, and then I even have a junior leadership. So I have multi-level leadership groups going on at the same time. And so within the last eight years, it's been an environment that I've been able to still develop, teach, and train people (laughs) It's just been at at different levels, all right? And so as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today, building an effective ministry team, that's the title of today. Well, you know what? There are so many great books out there by authors that know way more than I do, that have been doing it for a long time. And I was like, Lord, 
what am I going to offer, right? What am I going to bring to the table that's not already out there? And the Lord just said, you know what? Be willing and share your heart. And so today, even as I come to you with this like, title, Building an Effective Ministry Team, I need to tell you that when I got asked to do this, I was like, at this point right now where we're at, even in our church, we're going through just transition. I'm like, Lord, I don't even feel equipped because I'm not at the most successful time of an effective ministry team. Does that make sense? Like right now, technically would be the time where I could be like in the back of the room being like, all right, feeling like a failure. We, we went through a lot of change. Our church has gotten a new pastor within the last year. The previous couple years were really rough going through some transitions with the previous pastor. You know, so when churches go through transition and new pastors, it's difficult because people leave, people are upset, things don't get talked about, and so you're dealing with all this unrest, right? And so here they asked me to speak, and I'm going, can, can it have not been three years ago, five years ago, when things were at the pinnacle, right? And like everything's working really well, and all of this is like a well-oiled machine in a sense. Does that make sense, you guys? Are you feeling me? So you need to know today, I stand here very humbled, like honestly, because I'm like, Lord, you're so funny that you would have me do this today. And, and so it, it was like a love gift from the Lord even for me to remind me that the principles of building an effective team are across the board and that being effective and pouring into people, it's not about success or failure, right? It's just that we keep going and that we keep doing what God has called us to do regardless of the circumstances. And um, even now, like my team went from like, we lost like five children's workers within this like summertime to fall just with moving and transitions. And that may not sound like a lot, but when you have, I mean, that's that for us is huge. And so that's huge transition. And the Lord just said, it's all good. You know, we are gonna, we're in a place of rebuilding and taking what was and retweaking. And we're going to, this little team is going to be a mighty team. And we're going to restructure things so that we can build again. We're going to take the roots deep so that we can grow larger. Does that make sense? So, so today we're going to talk about building an effective ministry team. And there's a picture on your little notes if you got the notes from me. And it's got a picture of a raft. And have any of you been whitewater rafting? Raise your hand if you've been. All right. So you guys know what that takes, right? You can't just show up to go whitewater rafting and not have known anything about it, right? (laughs) Your guide has been well-trained. He has all the equipment. You got the raft. You got the lifesavers. You've got the oars, right? And in order for this to happen, everybody has to understand their role and work together to maneuver down the rapids. And so as we look at building an effective team today, I'm going to kind of relate it to the concept of whitewater rafting. All right. So if you could kind of imagine with me today, I really wanted to have like a raft with me or an oar and it just didn't happen. So because that's great visuals. But if you can kind of picture um, when you're when you're either rebuilding or you're building a team, think of it like this. You're going on an adventure, right? And you want to make sure that you have everything you need. And so as I was thinking about what's the first thing when you're talking about building or rebuilding a team, what, where do you start, right? And it comes back to the leader. It comes back to 
the raft guide. So the first thing, if you want to write it down, in building an effective team, you have to be a high trust leader. And I'm going to explain what that is. You yourself as the leader, you have to be a high trust leader. The guide, the river guide, knows the river and what to do, all right? In order to navigate the river effectively, you have to listen to the guide, all right? And so as the guide or the river guide, the leader, high trust leader, we have to know what we're doing, why we're doing it, who we are, right, before anything else. Nothing else matters if you yourself are not a high trust leader. It begins with us. You must be well-equipped, all right, that doesn't mean you have to know everything like me today. I don't know everything. I'm not, I'm not John Maxwell. I'm not Stephen Covey. I don't, have, I don't have doctorate, master degrees at the end of my name. I don't have all of that. But I'm doing the best I can, right, where I'm at to grow and to learn and to develop. All right, you must have the right equipment. As the leader, you have to have everything that you need for your team. Now, obviously, we know in rafting, again, these are just analogies, but you have to have the raft, right? Can you imagine the guide showing up? All right, we're going to go rafting. Everybody shows up and they're like, where's the raft? You know, so as the high trust leader, as the, the number one, you got to have your stuff in gear. You have to have everything ready before you even bring on a team. All right. A high trust leader has unquestionable, strong credibility and the ability to create and grow trust in others. They've learned how to interact with others in a way that increases their levels and they avoid the pitfalls of depleting trust. All right, and this is huge. Let me give you a quick description. I'm just going to say a few words uh, describing a high trust leader. All right, and these are things we know. None of this is going to be new to you. I hope that it refreshes you and I hope that it gives you new perspective. But in a high trust leader, we have to be honest about ourselves and about the situations. You have to have a genuine care for others. Mutual respect. You as the leader with your team, team leaders, teammates. You must have humility and own your mistakes. And that's difficult sometimes as the leader to own the failures. Be quick to apologize. That builds huge trust with your team when you can own your mistakes or the mistakes of the organization or the leadership. You must be loyal be a person as a leader that makes things happen. Don't make excuses. You know what? It may be impossible. With God's help, right? Anything is possible. Be a constant learner. Those that are on your teams, they want to know that you are growing. Because they will only go as far as you. If you're not learning, if you're not growing, if you're not bringing freshness to the plate for them, obviously scripturally, devotionally, but also leadership, also training. You want to give them knowledge. You want to equip them as well. You need to be able to confront reality, address the tough stuff. That's huge. All right. I've worked for many leaders that do not confront reality. And when you don't deal with situations, when you take them and you put them underneath the carpet or the rug, eventually you trip over them. All right. And again, that affects the team, team dynamics. If you're not dealing with conflict between staff members, if you're not bringing that to the table and, and by God's grace going, we will work together. We will agree to disagree. If you're not doing that, you're not going to build an effective team at all. They will not work well together. 
You can for a time make it look that way, but eventually it will come crashing down. Here's some more descriptions of a high trust leader. Be accountable. Hold yourself accountable and the team accountable. When you, when you work for people that don't hold you accountable, I, I worked for a leader that never, ever one time asked me if I prayed as a staff member. That's shocking to be on a, on a staff, right? Here you are leading other people to Jesus, weekly preaching, and the person above you never asks you, how's your times with the Lord? Scary stuff. So the, the, the people that we're leading, we need to keep them accountable, And a lot of times leaders don't do that because you know what? They don't want to be held accountable, right? Because guess what? If I'm asking you, hey, man, how are you doing with the Lord? I better be ready to answer that question myself. You know, what what freshness did the Lord teach you today from Scripture? I got to be able to answer that myself, right? And so a lot of times we as leaders, it's easy to kind of just be like, well, we got stuff to get done. We've got a vision and a plan and I got to create a team and we got to move. And so a lot of times that can go on the sideline, not even out of being bad, but just because it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to lead. It's hard to be out in front because you have to be vulnerable. A couple other things. Listen before you speak. Get understanding before you just talk. A lot of times we can hear of situations. Somebody comes with a complaint or a grumble, and we can react right away instead of responding. I'm going to tell you that the first thing, you have to be the high trust leader. You have to build that with your team or they won't trust you. Keep commitments and extend trust. And it's hard sometimes when you've been burned. It's hard sometimes to believe people when they say they're going to do something when you know you work with people that didn't. But if you can be somebody that extends trust until it's broken, you will go farther. Trust is probably the most often mentioned and common ingredient in building ministry teams. All right. And would you all say, we know that, right? We know that. That's like, that's like the ABCs. Like, oh yeah, we have to have trust, but it is the hardest thing to build. It is the hardest thing to create in a team is trust. So here's some questions that people ask. All right. Just random questions. How do you develop trust then? If it's something that has to be worked out and created, how do you do it? Where does it come from? How can it be created and nurtured? How does a, how does a group of people learn to trust its leaders and one another? Some, just some questions. Trust is a process. So everybody needs to know that. It is a process. Now, we're only on the first thing. Do you see how we're focusing a lot of time on right here, the leader? Because, again... That's core. That's foundational. And we know that. Everything rises and falls on leadership. The top person. Absolutely. Trust is a process. Trust is more quickly lost than it is built. And that's the scary thing as a leader, the responsibility that we carry. When you have a team of people, however small or big, whether it's staff, volunteers, when you have a team of people that are there Looking at you, they, they're coming with their own sets of needs and hurts and pains. And somehow along the way, they said, Lord, use me. And they showed up in your world. And a lot of times they're a mess. And a lot of times they look probably a lot like the disciples, right? I mean, I often think about Jesus and the men that he chose. Why did he choose those men? I don't know exactly, other than I know he's God and he knew their hearts and he knew who they could be. 
And that's the biggest deal, is that you guys as leaders, we have to have the vision and the foresight to look at people not as though they are, but who they will be, right? Who they will be after you have spent time with them, after you have invested in them. Because a lot of times the leaders that show up or the volunteers, at least that I've experienced in my Elyria time, my eight years, they're not always the ones that you would think you wouldn't maybe not have picked them out of the crowd like, oh, that's the leader right there, right? A lot of times they're the background folks, they're the servants that have the greatest hearts. And they just need someone to believe in them and develop them and allow their love for Christ to come out, their giftings to come out. They just need someone to lock arms with them and go, hey, I believe in you. Let's help you become who you need to become, you know. But oftentimes as leaders, we push those folks aside because they're work. Right? We all want the people that show up all nice, you know, ready to go. And you can go, hey, here is an assignment. Here's a ministry. And they, can, they will take off running with it. And it'll be awesome. We want those people, right? And we need them. You need those people as well. But I'm going to tell you, oftentimes in building or rebuilding a team, you have to go and find them. And you have to bring them in. And you have to train them and equip them. It's not, they don't just come all perfect and ready to go. Now, sometimes they do, and thank the Lord. When those folks come, be like, thank you, Jesus. But oftentimes it comes down to us having to do the work, right? And trust is only earned. No amount of title, no amount of letters at the end of your name can build trust with your team, all right? And it's, it's humbling sometimes to realize that, that we have to earn that with them. They don't just automatically trust us because of what our name is. And it's character, it's consistency of your behavior that will build that in them. So here are some tips real quickly to build trust. And you guys, you know these. Again, these are just refreshment, all right? This is refreshment for you. Here's some tips. Keep your promises. (laughs) Listen to ideas when they come, all right? You might have a person on your team and they all the time They have ideas, and a lot of times maybe they don't fit with your vision. But listen to them, validate them, hear them out. Create ongoing mutual concern for their needs. Help them love each other, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Remember special occasions, birthdays, anniversaries, those kinds of things. That'll build trust with your team. That will let them know that they, you really do care about them. Not just for what they do for you, right? But because of who they are. I say that to my team all the time. I don't care what you do. I care who you are becoming. The doing, yes, it's important. So, I mean, it's not like I don't care. But it's not as important than who you're becoming. Obviously, another tip for building trust. Be loyal. Be honest. So, here are some pitfalls that erode trust. This will, this will tear away at your team building. All right, and again, we're just on number one, so these are huge things. Do not have cloaked confrontations, and what I mean by that, when you're dealing with a team dynamic, and let's just say that, you know, one of your team members has been really having an issue, don't deal with their issue as a group. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes, like, if you have, like, multiple, like, I have have a student leadership team, and I've got, like, 12 kids, all right, sometimes if they're all dealing with attitude or whatever, if a majority of them are dealing, I will deal with that as a group. But if it's a certain individual 
and they're dealing with something, don't come to the table and deal with the whole while you're trying to just talk to this person. Pull them aside. And again, I know it's more difficult. It takes more time. takes more effort. Pull them aside. Talk to them individually. Nothing's worse than I was in a staff meeting, and this was years ago, um, and we got handed a packet, like these this 8 by 11 papers, and it was stapled. And I had, there were probably 12 papers in it. And it was all these different things that we needed to look through as a staff. And it was said to us, whatever fits, you wear that. Do you, you know, that's connecting to you. And I remember going through it afterwards. And we, our church was already going through some tough stuff. So already when it was, like, given, I was just so irritated. Like, are you serious right now? Are we really going to talk about issues and conflicts through a packet? And I remember getting home, and I was like, I just basically was like, well, they said if it fits, wear it. If not, so I was like, well, I'm not going to wear it because that's not how you deal with conflict. That's not how you deal with issues. You don't just put it in a big clump and go here, right? If there's issues, bring people in. Talk about it. The Lord wants restoration. The Lord wants there to be wholeness and unity in the body of Christ, right? So don't, man, that will erode trust big time if you deal with things like that. Don't delay commitments, Man, if you've committed to your team members, you're going to meet them for coffee, man, you better show up or you better renegotiate that. That's huge. When your team, and when they've called to go to lunch with you or they want to spend time with you and you push them off and don't call them or don't let them know, man, that tells them, you know what, I don't matter to them. That's huge. They will remember that. Don't talk critically, oh, this is so huge, about a team member when they're not there. Don't as a team, you know, well, Johnny never shows up on time. Man, I wish you'd get it figured out. Don't ever do that. They're not there to defend themselves. They're not there to respond. And that tells everybody else on your team that they can't trust you either. Because you know what? Sometime it's going to be them. Don't do that. It kills trust. And, of course, unkept promises. That'll be the greatest thing that will rip away your trust with people. Make no mistake, you guys. People desire deeply all right, deeply to work in an environment that creates trust, all right? People want that. That's why people join gangs, right? Because they want to be a part of something that they can belong to, that people will love them for, that they'll be committed to. People long for that, all right? So before we go any farther, I want you internally to ask yourself the question, number one, am I a high trust leader? Do I operate in these things that we've been talking about? And again, none of us are perfect, right? We're all on the, the, the journey to be more like Christ. If you say, man, I got some areas to work on, great. That's why you're here today, to just be encouraged, to be more. And maybe you are a high trust leader, then that's awesome. Just continue in that. Reproduce yourself into your leaders and create them to be high trust leaders. That's what we need. We need more people like you then, Right? As I was going through this, I noticed things. I'm like, man, i got to work on that. My heart is to know their birthdays and to celebrate them better. My heart is that. But oftentimes, in busyness and craziness, that goes away. But it's important, right? It's important. So, I mean, I recognize even in this areas that I have got to adjust, especially in the rebuilding, especially now that I'm taking a team that was large, and now I'm going, all right, guys, it's just a few of us. And it's difficult sometimes to lead strong when internally you feel like a failure. 
and you can't let your team know. It's like, all right, guys, we got to still go fight. We got to put our armor on. We got to continue. And then the inside, you're going, man, if you only knew, I'm like over in the corner hovering. But you can't let your team know that. You have to lead strong. And I'm going to tell you, I haven't always done a good job of that. By God's grace, it's never been anything that's been like fatal, but oftentimes it's been difficult to lead sometimes in, in hard times and, and get your team and rally them and go, all right, let's take the hill. And you're like, I don't want to take the hill. <laughs> so the first thing, again, like I said, re- to repeat, in creating, a, building a team or rebuilding starts with you. You must be a high trust leader. All right, let's look at the second thing. Just like in rafting, Everybody's in the, in the boat, and they all have an oar, right? On, a, on an effective team, everybody's got to work in sync. So that's your second fill-in, work in sync. You have to work in sync. Your team has got to work in unity, all right? Can you imagine being on a river with, like, a level five rapids, and everybody that had an oar was doing something completely different? The guide is going to go, what are you guys doing? We're going to crash for sure. No, everybody has a job on that raft. Everybody knows because the guide has said, you folks over here, you're going like this. You folks over here, you're doing this. All right. He gives them a job. He gives them a role. And they're expected to do that job. Correct? They're not expected to change when they feel like it or, oh, look, there's an eagle, you know. They have to stay in sync with each other, working together, or that will crash, right? Or you'll go around in circles, or you won't go anywhere, all right? Same thing with building a team. (laughs) The paddle strokes must be in sync. In order for this to happen, the team, they have to pay attention to each other. So you have to figure out, as a leader, how to get your team to know one another, In order to be in unity with someone, you have to know them. You can't just know of them. You can't just show up to meetings once a month and go, oh, yeah, that's John Smith. You've got to know their life. You've got to know their stories. You have to help your teammates to get to know one another. And that's your job as the guide. Your job as the leader is to help them figure that out. Each person must stay focused on what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you that's difficult when you're working with a team of people because somebody over here wants to be over here doing this and this person wants to be over here doing this and you go, no, I just need you to be in the sound booth. I just need you to do the sound. But they want to be up speaking. So you have to work with them and to develop them and make sure there's a quote um, by Jim Collins. Let me see where it's at. From the book Good to Great. And basically he's like... um, Hold on. It's not about just getting the right people on the bus, all right? It's not just about that. It's about getting the the right people in the right seat, all right? So Jim Collins, great book, good to great. It's not just about getting the right people on the bus. you got to make sure they're in the right seat. And so you might have people that are doing things that that's not even their giftings or maybe their passion. Well, again, as the leader, your job to meet with them, talk to them, and to figure that out so that they can be where they love, all right? And it doesn't always work that way. You know, sometimes, especially with, if you're working with a new leader, they may just need to serve in an area to figure out where their giftings are. You know, so you might have to have them doing things that maybe they don't like until they can create that. All right. 
Um, I do something where I have weekly leadership meetings with my students, all right? So this group of, it's called Student Leadership. They're 7th grade to 12th graders that serve in my kids' ministry on Sundays, all right? So every Thursday we meet, and they go through a leadership book. This year we're doing Running with the Giants. It's a John Maxwell book where he talks about heroes of the faith and how their life related to leadership. So they have to do scripture memory. They are held accountable on their prayer life, on where, where they're getting out of their comfort zone, the kids that they're ministering to weekly. And we have a, we have a training every week where I can pour into them. Because these kids, I mean, they're kids, right? But they give of their time every Sunday, two-plus hours, to work with the kids. On Thursdays, Thursday nights, they give up two hours for leadership training every week. They don't have to do that. They could be doing a million other things. But for whatever reason, their desire is to grow in leadership. And so they say, all right, I'm showing up. I'm going to commit. And they do. And so this year, for me, I have a whole young group. I mean, they are young. And every year, I get new ones. I get fresh leaders. And of course, some stay on. So I've got the older ones. And it's a challenge to deal with brand new leaders versus ones that have been around for a while. And so every year, my dynamic in that world changes. So it's like you start off and you get everything going and you create team and trust. And then by the end of the school year, like by the time summer's over, I know I got to do it again in the fall because I'll get new leaders. And that is a challenge to every year have a fresh brand new group of people. But you have to keep, keep going regardless of that. And in those weekly meetings, I work on strategically helping them work together. So there's all kinds of ways you can do that. If you guys have a team of people, I would challenge you to do some sort of team building activities with them in your meetings, whether that's monthly, quarterly, weekly. Something, even if it's just 10 minutes where they can have, they have to work together, problem solve, conflict resolution. You can Google team building activities and there are a ton out there. They're free. You can facilitate them. And I will tell you, that's the greatest thing to get your team to work in unity is to have them start doing these activities together. Now, I'll also tell you a lot of times what happens in those moments is they can get really frustrated because people are competitive. People like to win. And so what will happen is you'll start to see, you know, frustration and anger. They'll get mad at their teammate because they didn't do their part. You want that. Now, not like in a negative way, but you want that stuff to come to the surface so that you can begin to help them work together, right? Resolve conflict, build trust, build unity. And there's all kinds of ways you can do that. I also start off the year every year with a retreat, leadership retreat. If you want to get your team to work in unison, work in sync, You need to get them away, even if it's just a day or even if it's just an evening. But get them away for a focused time of, all right, guys, we're starting off the year. Here's the vision. Here's where we're going to go. Here's what God's going to have you do, right? Time of prayer, teaching, investing in them, team building. Every year I do that, without a doubt, no matter what. That is important. The retreat starts the year has a theme, of course, you know, you do t-shirt, all this, you know, great fun stuff. There's a million ways to do it. But I will tell you, and again, whether it's staff on down to the smallest group of leaders, do those kinds of things and they will create unity. Your team will work in sync better. 
Nothing's greater than watching your team get frustrated at each other and having to work it out. Because that will help your Sunday or your Wednesday or your Tuesday ministry. When your team is having the conflict resolve and a team building activity, it will help them in the workplace when they're working together. Those things will help. I promise you. I've watched it year after year after year. My young little student leaders, by the middle of the year, they're working like a well-oiled machine. You know why? Because they love each other. They trust each other. They believe in each other. They've worked hard with each other. They've had to do conflict resolution. They may not always love like each other, but they love one another, and they're deeply committed. Are there any military folks in here that have either been in the military or have family members that have been in the military? Okay. I love the military. I love the concept of what it builds as far as team, right? Those, those men that serve... Man, they are brothers, right? They go out there and they live and die for one another. Now, I know our ministry teams are not the military, but, boy, we could learn a lot from what they create, correct? Can you imagine if our staff or leadership teams operated like No Man Left Behind or, (laughs) you know, it's not about me, it's about you, I'll sacrifice my life for your life. You know, the youth ministry would die for the children's ministry, rather than competing. (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing? Makes sense? Wow, we could learn a lot from that, right? So, man, get your team to work in sync. Greatest thing. And there there are ways to do that. But again, it takes work on your part. But in the long run, you invest it into them and helping them create that, they will then give that back. So what happens for me on Sundays is my team effectively and inevitably works well, and I get to watch them midway through the year. I can take my hands off, and they are doing what they're called to do wonderfully, working together. Not, not always perfect, but for the most part, it works great. All right, so you have to have discipline in your life. Um, obviously, you need to bring that out in others. <clears throat> so here we go. Number three, the third thing in building an effective team as it relates to rafting, and we've got to quickly move on. Pick someone, pick people that can carry their weight. All right, so that's your fill-in really quickly. They must be able to carry their weight. <clears throat> Team members must communicate to paddle and sink, all right? They also have to paddle, though, all right? It's not just about communicating. So your team can't just communicate. They also have to do what they're supposed to do. No one is exempt from paddling on the water, all right? Just like with your team. Everybody's got a job, got a responsibility. They need to know that that's huge. If they don't do what they're going to do, it's going to affect the whole team. Ownership is the key, all right? Choose people, all right, when you're picking your teams, who are willing and able to do their part when, the, when it gets rough. Okay, because that's the key, because it will get rough. In ministry, you will hit rough waters, just like in the rapids, all right? And you have to prepare your team for that, and you need people that are going to be able to go with you when that happens, all right, here we go. For sake of time, we're going to move on. Number four, work hard. <coughs> excuse me. Work hard, but enjoy the ride. All right, and again, as we're relating it to rafting, whitewater rafting, right? You work really hard trying to make it through those white caps, and eventually you get to the point where you guys, at the end, you can enjoy it, and you can just kind of coast. Same thing with your teams, man. You work hard. You have goals that you're going after. And even among the challenges, enjoy the journey, all right? Again, we can get so caught up, leaders, as focusing on the goal, and we need to get this many people, and we need to reach this folks, and we need to have this an event, and we can get so concentrated on those things, and those are good things. 
that we can forget the journey, that we can forget that each of our team members are on a personal journey, that they each have individual issues in their lives, all right? So leader, enjoy the journey yourself, all right? Enjoy the journey, and that's tough sometimes. Leadership is not simply about the destination or the position, but about the experiences and the challenges you will face along the way. Create your team to understand that this is a journey that you're taking them on, that this is an experience, and you want them to get the most out of that. All right? Take time to enjoy those things with your team. All right? So work hard, but enjoy the ride. All right, number five, celebrate wins. That's huge. Create memories with your team. All right? Often we can get focused on what we aren't doing, right? You can get done with a Sunday service or Wednesday service, and you can get the team together, and you go, all right, guys, next week we need to do this. We need to focus on this. And we didn't get, you know, we can focus so much on what is not getting done. And we need to do that because we want to be excellent, and we want to be able to offer people the best ministry. But, man, don't forget to celebrate the wins. Don't forget to focus on what God is doing and where the individual team members, where they are growing, Man, if you can point that into them, out into them and say, man, I saw how you went and prayed with that student or that person. When you can, when you can pull out of them what they're doing right, all of a sudden they're going to go, wow, I am being used of the Lord. Instead of always feeling like, man, I'm just not cutting it. I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not getting it. So question for you guys, what are you doing as a leader? What are you doing to celebrate your team? What are you doing to create a family atmosphere? Jesus did a really good job. He had 12 guys, and he did a really good job of creating family to the point where those men were willing to die for him, right? Now, a couple of them had some struggles, you know, um, did some denying, but in, in the end, died for him, all right? What are we doing to create that? We do an annual appreciation banquet. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's very practical. What else are you guys doing? What are you doing to create that family or to celebrate your team? What are some other ideas? Honestly, I, I think it's just uh, being willing to be vulnerable. You know, be yeah. Real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Like Jesus, I mean, he got down with them, right? He sat on the floor with them. He ate with them. He went with them. And that's huge, I think. I think we need to look at that example. And I know a lot of times if you have a large team or maybe you have like, like if you're a lead pastor and you have associate pastors and then they have all teams, it's hard sometimes to feel like you can be close. But with those that are up close to you, all right, those 2, 5, 12, whatever that number is, you need to, you need to link arms with them. They need to be at your house. They need, to, they need to know your life. They need to be invited in, like you said, because that's how you create family. A lot of times the team members, they come from broken lives. They may not have had family. You know, who knows what they're doing for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, do they have plans for Christmas? Have you ever thought, maybe I should invite them over for Thanksgiving because they're single and their family's out of state? Those are things. You see what I'm saying? Like, we've got to create that for our team. Because if you do, they will stick around. If you do, they will give their life for you. Not in a wrong way, but because they want to be a part of that. Celebrate birthdays, personal victories in their lives. If their kids are, you know, 
the greatest soccer player. Celebrate those things. All right, take the time. If you take the time to invest in them, they will then give that back. It's a, it's a, it's a sowing and reaping principle. All right, and the last thing, because I know we're running out of time, is number six is rescue teammates. When you are rushing down a river, chances are you're going to hit rocks, branches, and even other boats. Your guide will do what he can, but there are times when you will run into those obstacles yourself. When this happens, you have to hang on. You have to train your people to hang on. And they have to lean in so they don't get thrown out. However, there's a good chance that somebody, somewhere, they're going to fall out of the boat, right? And it's our responsibility If you have folks on your team that fall out of the boat, we have to rescue them, all right, especially if they're on your team. Our job, our number one job, is to meet with them, get with them, figure out why they're falling off the wagon, why they're falling out of the boat. Do everything possible to bring them back in, right? And again, that takes time and effort, right? You want to get them back in as soon as possible because... What happens is if you have a team member, your, your boat's going really great and everybody's doing their job and paddling. When you have someone that falls out, what happens? Affects everything else, right? All of a sudden, your ministry or your team is like, we don't know what to do because that person now is not doing what they're doing because they've fallen out. So you have to do everything possible to get them rescued, all right? And accountability is one of the best ways. If you can set up within your teams or staff accountability partners amongst peers and hold them accountable for that but have each other have them talk to each other weekly and you can create that whether it's a form or whether it's something that you know they have to get together for 15 minutes a week and ask each other the hard questions but if you can create that amongst each other that will help them it will lessen the ability for them to fall off the wagon or at least you'll know ahead of time you know so creating creating accountability amongst the team is is vital when I directed Master's Commission in California, we, we kind of ran it more militaristic, not like crazy, but um, to the point where um, they had accountability partners. And if, like, let's just say they weren't doing, like if one person wasn't doing what they were supposed to do, the other person would be held accountable to that. And so it was really cool to see the dynamic of them pouring into one another, encouraging one another in the right things because they knew that their life counted for somebody else. All of a sudden, if I didn't do what I was supposed to do, it was going to affect someone else. And isn't that the case? What we do or don't do affects everyone else. All right. And so I want to just encourage you guys. I know these six things we kind of had to run through them quickly. Um, But building a team, rebuilding a team, the principles are simple. It's the hard stuff when it comes down to really back to number one which is being a high trust leader ourselves. It all starts here at the core level. And we all know that as ministers and lay leaders and servants, we know that. But that is the most difficult, difficult thing. So anybody have any questions or any comments or anything like that before we close up? Yes. Oh, good. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, it, like I said at the beginning, it's been re- you know pretty humbling because you know I'm I'm back at the rebuilding stage of going. All right, how do I do this again? Because I had a really great thing going, you know, and um, transition happens and things happen, and we just have to go. All right, Lord, let's begin this again. And again, I, it comes back here, starts here, 
Michelle, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to be? How, what kind of leader will I be, right? And then now I'm going to start attracting those people, and we're going to create another team <laughs> that effectively is going to minister again. Yay! All right, any other questions or any other thoughts? All right, well, thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate it. I hope today was encouraging. I hope it was inspiring. I know a, a lot of it is things you know, but a lot of times it's good for us to be reminded and even to take a little internal look at our own selves as how are we leading, all right? So you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you guys so much.